Would you please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Tonight, Acts chapter 1. Everybody who has received the grace of God in salvation has done so because they have been evangelized. Let me say that again. Everyone who has received the grace of God in salvation has done so because they have been evangelized. Or let me put it this way. Not one person in this room has ever sought God to be saved yourself. And no one in this room could ever find God by yourself. God has so designed it that the only way that we can get into heaven is that the truth has to be revealed to you. I grew up going to church. I grew up as a child sitting in Sunday school classes. But it really wasn't until I was 17 years old that someone came to me and evangelized me, and two years later, I became a believer. So my goal tonight is simply to try to ask and answer the question to just continue to clarify in our minds what our job is to be doing. And that is, the question is, what is evangelism? Consider with me tonight your own salvation experience. When did you become a Christian? How did you become a Christian? You did not become a Christian because you just decided that you would go find God and you figured it out that it would be through God's Son, Jesus Christ. Nobody in this room could ever do that. It had to be revealed to you. Somebody shared the gospel with you. It could have been your parents. It could have been a Sunday school teacher. It could have been a pastor. It could have been a friend at work. And it could have been somebody that you met along the way of life. For most of us, it was more than one person. It was a, it was a variety of people that God brought in our way, along our pathway. And from them, we heard the gospel and the seed was sown. And God began to work and God brought forth fruit on that day of repentance and faith evangelism is the God-ordained means of bringing salvation to all people. And folks, we have to understand this. No one can get saved if they're not evangelized. They are dead, they are blind, they are deaf, they can't do anything unless somehow life and light and truth is brought to them. And that responsibility for evangelism is placed on the church's shoulders and to be more specific is placed on our shoulders. So tonight, I'd like to just simply try to ask and answer that question so that it is clear to us what our duty and responsibility as a believer is tonight. What is evangelism? And basically, I have three simple statements I'd like to make tonight, and it's sort of a process we're going to work through. And the first thing I'd like us to see tonight is evangelism is the preeminent work of all believers. After Jesus resurrected from the dead, he met with his disciples, and he declared to them what he wanted them to do. Now, I want you to think with me. Jesus died. Three days later, he rose from the dead. 
From the time Jesus rose from the dead to the time Jesus ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives. Do you know how many days it was? This is important. How many days was it? It was a total of 40 days. Okay. That's two days less than six weeks. Six weeks. Now, folks, six weeks is not very long. Would you agree with me? From the time Jesus died and rose from the dead to the time he ascended into heaven, it was only 40 days. Do you know how many times Jesus appeared in those 40 days? Okay, there's about 10 times Jesus appeared. He appeared to three individuals. Do you know who they were? He appeared to Peter and he appeared to a woman named Mary and he appeared to his brother named James, all right? That's three out of, out of 10. He appeared to the disciples in the upper room. One time he appeared to them and Thomas wasn't there. And the second time he appeared to them, Thomas was there. That's five times. He appeared to um, two disciples on the Emmaus road and they were walking along and Jesus came alongside of them and they didn't recognize who he was. And he began to talk to them about all the events that was going on in Jerusalem. And they said, you don't know what's going on. And they began to explain how Jesus died and rose from the dead. And they stopped to get something to eat and they prayed. And when they opened their eyes, they saw that it was Jesus and he suddenly disappeared. Jesus also appeared to a group of women. Jesus appeared to the disciples at the Sea of Galilee. First of all, when they were fishing, do you remember? And they were there in the boats and they were fishing and, and Jesus was on the seashore and he called out to them and asked them if they had called anything. And they said, no, he said, throw it over the side, the net, and they threw it over and hauled in and suddenly, boom, they realized who it was. It was Jesus. And they got into shore. What was Jesus doing? He was cooking them breakfast. And then the Bible says Jesus appeared to his disciples, about 500 of them all at one time, 500 people. That's more than this here in the building tonight. 500 people at one time saw Jesus and he spoke to them. And finally, the last time Jesus appeared to his disciples was on the top of Mount of Olives when he ascended into heaven and he went straight up. And I always think it's kind of funny. The angels appeared to him afterwards and said, what are you guys looking at? It's like, go get busy for God. And I was thinking, well, what else would I do? Jesus went up to heaven. I would be watching too. 10 times over a 40 day period, Jesus appeared to his disciples over different times. And during that 40 day period, essentially he told them one thing to do. Have you ever had anybody tell you to do one thing and that's all they told you to do and you found that people didn't even do the one thing? You ever told your children, do this one thing? Don't do 10 things, do this one thing. Well, that is exactly what Jesus did. He told his disciples this one thing he wanted them to do. We call that the kiss principle. You ever heard of that? K-I-S-S. -S. You know what that means? It means keep it simple. What? Not stupid. God doesn't call his people stupid. Saints. <laughs> keep it simple. Saints. All right. Now, what's the one thing he told them to do? Well, 
It's kind of one of those, we're slow to get it. So God has given us four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and what? All right, you're doing well tonight, great. And in every single gospel, at the end of it, Jesus tells them what to do, and he tells them in every gospel so that we'll all get it. What did he tell them? Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It's our theme verse for the week. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. What did he tell them to do? Go make disciples. Mark 16, 15. It says... And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Luke chapter 24, verses 47 and 48. Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. I mean, it's the same thing. It's over and over. And then we come to the book of Acts chapter 1. And the book of Acts was written by the same guy that wrote the book of Luke. You know, who, who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. Okay, y'all doing really good tonight. Okay. And Acts chapter 1 is a pickup from where they finished off in Luke chapter 24. And what do we read in Acts chapter 1? Jesus tells his disciples to go back to the city of Jerusalem. I want you to wait there because I'm going to send the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. And look at Acts 1 and verse 8. That's what I told us, wanted us to look at tonight. He said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and all Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. What did he tell the disciples to do? He said, after you get my power, you're to go out and you're to be witnesses. Now, folks, if Jesus gives us the one command and all of the Gospels, I didn't go through John, you could read it in John chapter 21, but if, all the, if in all the Gospels, Jesus tells us to do the exact same thing, and it's basically the one commandment, that we're to go into all the world and be witnesses and evangelize and share the Gospel, folks, what are we supposed to be doing in the church? Okay, keep it simple. Saints, thank you. What are we supposed to be doing? It's one thing, okay? Folks, it's not 10 things. It's one thing. We are to be going into the world, starting in Jerusalem. That's where we are. And then going out from there, we're to go into all the world, and we're to witness. We're to spread the gospel. Now, folks, let's keep it really simple, okay? If you're not obeying, what do we call that? disobedience. Y'all are smart. So if we're not sharing the gospel, what are we doing? We're not obeying God. Now, folks, it's that simple. Now, I've been doing this for a few years, and it's my experience that, you know, <laughs> Point number one, do this. If you don't do that, read point number two, and it says go back to point number one. That really the church's mission is to obey God's commandment to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. Now, he didn't say you had to do it all by yourself. 
It's the command that he's given to the whole church to go into all the world. So we are to operate where God puts us to be as much a witness as we possibly can. God does not intend us to be guilty all the time that the whole world's not being evangelized by me, okay? So we got that. But folks, generally in the church, that's not really the problem. The problem in the church is the failure on the part of the church to obey this one great commandment. So the point I want us to understand tonight is evangelism is the preeminent work of all believers. If we don't make this at the very forefront of what the church is doing, then we're really not doing what God has commanded us to do. That leads me to the second point tonight, and that is evangelism is the personal witness of every believer. What is evangelism? It's the personal witness of every believer. Let's take the word evangelism, okay? There's a lot of words that we use today that sometimes we, <clears throat> we kind of, you know, it kind of is you use words so much that after a while you kind of, it kind of loses its real meaning like evangelism and evangelist and evangel and gospel. But essentially, and I, I'm going to assume that most of you know this, that actually all of those words we use in the English all come from one word. Because the word evangel or evangelist is not really an English word. It's, it's a word that was Greek, and they, they, they sort of Englishized it. And essentially, the word evangel comes from two words. The first word is the word you, E-U, which means good. And the second word is the word angelos, which means an angel or a messenger or a message or news. So fundamentally, the gospel means the good news. And the person who is the evangelist is the one who tells the good news. And to evangelize is basically to go out and tell people the good news. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, the good news, which I preached unto you. And the word preached there is the same word. It's to tell the good news. So he says, I've declared unto you the good news, which I told you the good news of. I made known unto you this message. I gave you this message. So to evangelize is to do exactly what the word means. It means to tell people good news. Now, do you like to tell people good news? Now, there are some people that like to tell people bad news. I know, I, I go to church, okay? I get around people, and all they do is they tell me bad news. But have you ever been around a person that's always telling you good news? How many of you know Dr. Sam Horn? Okay, Sam Horn lives his life with, with golden goggles on. Everything Sam sees is good. Every time I talk to Sam, I said, how's it going? Brother, it's awesome. I'm going, come on, man, it can't be that good. But that's just the way Sam is. He is always talking about the good news. That's what we're supposed to do. When we go out into the world, we got something good to say. 
You know, when I, when I turn on Fox News, it's not usually good. I turn on CNN, it's worse. I turn on MSNBC and I get depressed. But we as believers have good news. I've got something to tell you that if you believe it, guess what? You get to go to heaven. That's pretty good news, wouldn't you say? You ever been to a funeral? That's not good news. But when you go to the funeral of a Christian, that's wonderful. To evangelize is to tell people the good news. The New Testament presents different words to describe our duty in telling the good news. For example, we are called to be stewards. What is a steward? It's a person who has something entrusted to them. Every one of us have been entrusted with this message. We've been given the responsibility. It's like a person who goes to medical school and they become a doctor. And perhaps they become an oncologist, which means they work with cancer patients. And so they're always busy today. And a cancer patient comes to you and they find out what's wrong with them. And the doctor is telling them, I've got good news for you. I've, we, 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 we believe we can help you. And I remember when my wife was diagnosed with cancer the first time and the doctor said, here's your cancer and here's the potential of a cure. That was good news. Now, if a doctor's got the good news and you need the cure and he doesn't tell you, what kind of doctor is that? You and I are stewards. We are bearers of the good news. Everybody we come into contact with are in need of hearing this message. Not only are we stewards, but we're called heralds. What is a herald? A herald is a person who basically announces a message. You've, you've probably seen people in TV shows and they ride in town on a horse and they start announcing. That's a herald. A herald is somebody who comes and they've been given a message and they are to deliver the message as it was given to them. They're not to add to it. They're not to admit anything. They're not to alter it. They're simply to go out and accurately tell it. This past year, my wife and I were in the country of Italy and we went to the city of Naples. I guess I just didn't realize it. But Naples is like this incredible city, and I didn't realize that <clears throat> there's a mountain overlooking the Bay of Naples. It's called Mount Vesuvius. You ever heard of Mount Vesuvius? Okay. It's really a cool mountain because it, it goes up like this. Literally, it goes straight up like this, and all of a sudden, psh, it goes down like that. The reason it goes down like that is something happened there about 2,000 years ago, and that is it blew its stack. A huge volcanic eruption. And on the other side of the, of the Mount Vesuvius from Naples is another city there. It's called Pompeii. You ever heard of Pompeii? What do we know about Pompeii? It was buried under the volcanic eruption of Mount Vesuvius. And it actually sat under that for almost 1,800 years it was almost like 30 or 40 feet thick down that it was just completely volcanic ash until people came in and they started to excavate it. And they found people's bones and bodies still there. 
And you know, I often think about the people that were there when, you know, the volcano, you know, when the lava flow came. You know, I was thinking, you know, if, if I were them, I, I think I would have left. You know what I'm saying? And you wondered, did they know it was coming? And you know what? If you read the stories and you read the history, you found out actually they had lots of warnings. It's just that they didn't hear the warning. What does a herald do? He comes and he accurately gives the message. And with that message comes a warning because the gospel message is not only good news for the sinner, but it's bad news for the sinner that doesn't believe. You and I to be effective witnesses are to tell people the good news of Christ and tell people the bad news of not accepting the good news. We're to be faithful. And then we're called ambassadors. What is an ambassador? It's somebody who represents the word of the king himself. We're to speak the message not only accurately, but we are to speak the message with authority. In the state of South Carolina, we had a governor named Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is a very, very kind lady. I've met her before. She's our governor. She was our governor. But <clears throat> Nikki Haley was, by our current president, asked to be the ambassador to the United Nations. So she is our UN ambassador now in, in New York City. All right, she's really nice, she's really sweet, but let me tell you something, she's tough as nails. I like Nikki Haley. She is an ambassador for the United States of America. And when she speaks, she doesn't speak with wimpy language. She speaks with authority. Do you know that you and I are ambassadors for Jesus Christ? And when we speak his word, we are not to speak it, if I could say it this way, in an apologetic, weak way. We are to speak it graciously, we're to speak it kindly, but we are to speak it with authority. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. We are backed by the power of heaven. And we're to go with authority and give the message of Jesus Christ. What is evangelism? Evangelism is responsibly telling the good news. And we are to go out and we are to faithfully declare the message regardless of the way people respond. I was flying on an airplane a few years ago. I was actually flying from, I think, Detroit, Michigan to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I got bumped up to first class and, and I was sitting there and a man sat down next to me and uh, I said hello to him and he said hello to me and, and this was like right about the time change when, you know, today when you get on a plane, you can sit next to a guy for 14 hours and he never even says hello to you. You know, it's kind of really actually weird. But it's the way of technology because you get on the plane and stick things in your ears, you know, and you go into your own world. Well, I sat down next to this guy, and I introduced myself, said hello to him. And so I asked him, I said, what do you do for a living? And he told me he, was a, he had a Ph.D. in microbiology from the University of Southern California, and he was going to Philadelphia for a stem cell research conference. He said, what do you do for a living? I told him I was a Baptist preacher. And I was going to Philadelphia for a conference for Baptist preachers. When I told him I was a preacher, this is the truth. He looked at me, he went, 
Oh, no. He said, why is it that half of my flights, I get stuck sitting next to people like you? My first thought was, providence. You know, providence. There's a God. And I decided I I was going to do my best to win that guy. You know, you can be nice. And I decided I was going to be nice to the guy. And I also learned something. If I can ask you questions about you and you answer me and I listen like I really care, you're going to like me. So I started just giving him all kinds of questions. The more questions I asked, the more he opened up. And the more he drank wine, the more he really opened up. (laughs) And about halfway through and about into his fifth or sixth glass of wine, you know, he was was good. He He was lathered up. And so we just started talking, and he started, you know, and asked me all kinds of, I started asking him all kinds of, and he, then he looked at me. I mean, I never shared, I wasn't sharing the gospel, I was just trying to find out about his life. But he knew I was a Christian. He knew I was a preacher. And he looked at me, he said, he said I want to ask you a question, man to man. He said, have you ever found real joy in your life? I started laughing. I said, oh, man. I mean, that's like, softball. (laughs) You know, it's like, what must I do to be saved? And I said, well, sir, he got a little irritated with me because I just kept quoting Bible verses to him because I didn't know what else to tell him. I mean, you know, I'm not going to give him my philosophy. I'm going to tell him what God says. And so I told him about my life before Christ, my life after Christ. I got saved at 19 years old. I know what it was like to live in darkness. I know what it was like to come into the light. I know what it was like to try to find joy and satisfaction in the world. It didn't happen. I found joy and satisfaction in Jesus, and it was like perpetual. And sadly, he said to me, he said, you know, the last time I remember experiencing joy was like 1980-something. And he said, a guy's car broke down on the side of the highway outside of Los Angeles, and I, I tried to help him. And he said, I remember the joy I felt when trying to help this guy. I thought, man, that's really sad. So we just kept on talking, and then he said, now he said, let me ask you a question. You're not one of those kind of guys that really believe that God made the world in six days? And I said, Yes, I am. (laughs) Well, he had earlier told me that he thought I was intelligent. That kind of changed the the conversation. (laughs) I mean, it was just this crazy. And I never once told him the gospel until we almost landed. And then he said, okay, okay, go ahead. Tell me what you want to tell me. (laughs) I went... And I said, sir, here's what I'd like to tell you. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sins. And he was buried. And he rose again from the dead so that you could be saved. He said, I know that. Is that all you're going to tell me? I said, sir, for you, that's all I'm going to tell you. I told him the good news. That's evangelism. And you know what? Everybody in this room can do that. Now, you've got to figure out at the right moment, at the right time, when you're going to do this, because to be honest with you, 
There's a process you have to go through. But every one of us can tell people the good news. What is evangelism? It is the personal witness out of your own life, out of your own experience of telling people what it is that the gospel is and telling them how God's changed your life. And that leads me to the third and last thing tonight, and that is this. Evangelism is the persuasive winning of the unbeliever. And I want to make this an emphasis tonight. Embedded in the gospel message is an intent. It is to see the hearer converted. Okay? I'm not just feeding his head full of facts. I'm trying to win him to Christ. The gospel is not just imparting truth to them, but it is intentionally trying to persuade the hearer to believe the good news. First time I heard the gospel, I was 17 years old. I was sitting out in front of my public high school. A friend of mine named Bill Kneff had been saved. And his life had radically changed. And so I started talking to him. And he began to ask me questions. He said, Steve, if you died, do you know you'd go to heaven? And I said, no, I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really know that. And so he began to share with me the gospel. And when he finished sharing the gospel, so he shared with me my sinfulness, how Christ died for my sins, how that my sin sending me to hell, how that Jesus died and rose from the dead and salvation is not something that you work for, you earn. It's a gift. You have to receive it. And then when he finished sharing the gospel with me, he asked me a question. He said, Steve, do you want to get saved? I mean, he asked me straight up. And I looked at him and I said, no, I'm not ready to get religious. What I was saying is, look, dude, I'm 17 years old, bug off. When I get old and my hair turns gray or turns loose or one of the two, I'll get saved, but not now. I got my own life I want to live. And that was my attitude. But I'll never forget walking away from my friend, and I was walking home from high school that day under conviction that I was lost, and I knew that if I got hit by a car and died, I would have gone to hell. What is evangelism? It is communicating the good news with the intent to convert the hearer. The word convert is a good word. It means to turn. It's used in various passages where the subject of the verb is not God, but the preacher. The preacher is the one trying to convert the sinner. For example, John the Baptist, Luke 1, 16, many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord and he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the father to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. The Bible says the same thing of the apostle Paul in Acts 26, verse 26. He says, now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. But he showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God. You are intentional about it. It's not only sharing them the truth, but it is actually urging them to respond Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. When you go fishing, what is your intention? Feed fish? <laughs> of course not. The intention is clear. 
When you preach the gospel, when you share the gospel, the intention should be clear. It is to reach out and win people to Christ. Follow me, Jesus said. I will make you to be fishers of men. I didn't get saved the first time I heard the gospel. I went off to college my freshman year of college. I tried out for the varsity soccer team and I made the team that year. The only other fellow on the team that was a freshman was a fellow named Maxie Birch from Beaufort, South Carolina. Maxie was a Christian. He had been saved his, his senior year of high school. So as we would walk to the field back and forth on a regular basis, we would talk, and he would always talk to me about the Lord. But he would do more than that. He did it in a way that was not offensive, but it was appropriate pressure. He said, Pettit, you need to get saved. And I always would say, I know. I know. I say, nah, not now. But he kept persistently persuading. Paul said, for though I be free from all men, yet I've made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Gain means to win. To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain them. I made all things to all men, that by all means I might save some. Now, Paul's not saying that he actually does the saving work, the redeeming work. That is the work of of the gospel message through the work of the Holy Spirit. But here's what Paul said of his work. He said, I am in Christ's stead. I am in Christ's place. Let me put it this way. The only Jesus people will ever know is you. And Paul said, I am in Christ's stead. I'm standing in his place. And then he said, you need to be reconciled to God. You never read the Gospels when Jesus preaches the message of salvation without him telling them to do what? Repent ye and believe the Gospel. We are endeavoring to elicit a response to the truth that is being taught. And Paul tried to persuade people to be saved. Acts 18.4, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and he persuaded the Jews. 2 Corinthians 5, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. What are we to be doing? We're to making appeals to people. Therefore, evangelism is telling the good news with the intent to persuade the hearer to turn to the Lord. Here's how I got saved. I heard the gospel when I was 17. I heard the gospel my freshman year of college repeatedly. And I was really at a major turning point in my life. Was I going to believe or not? And on Easter weekend, 1975, I had gone on spring break to kind of a place where college students go called Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I got up Easter Sunday morning and I was driving home. It's a two and a half hour drive back to my house where I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina. I turned on the radio that morning and there was a preacher. I would have listened to the local beach tunes, you know, like the Beatles and the Beach Boys. But that morning I decided to listen to a church service. A preacher preached. Don't know who he was. 
Don't know anything about the church. All I know is he had my attention. And his sermon was not complicated. He preached the story. He told the story. How that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. How he was buried. How he rose again from the dead. And how he came to save people from sin. And as I sat there listening to the gospel over the radio, hearing the message, and seeing the cross in my mind, I felt like I was at the foot of the cross. But then the preacher said this, there is somebody right now driving down the highway listening to my voice. And you are not saved. You need to pull over to the side of the road right now and get saved. I looked at that radio. (laughs) My heart was pounding like a bass drum. And God was calling my name. And on that day, I believed. Easter Sunday, 1975, 43 years ago this Easter. I got saved because I was evangelized. That's evangelism. So, what are we supposed to do? Keep it simple. Yeah. Then let's do it. Let's do it. It's our duty, and let's obey God's command.